him in prison. And, and this is what we need to understand. So true. David Brock and some of these organizations have already raised tens of millions of dollars for an impeachment process. Then they want jail to the chief. They need to understand that this is a war. This is we are so far beyond normal politics, Sean. We are in a very dangerous moment. And while President Trump is a very strong leader and a man of strong constitution, he was able to survive all of this during the campaign and get elected president. When you are president and you are faced with the kind of monolithic opposition you are talking about, plus a federal bureaucracy that is completely out to undermine him every day, the intelligence community that is engaged in some of this as well that we have heard, I hope to God that he is strong enough to withstand this. They are out oh, to destroy him because if he succeeds, the country changes for the good and they must not allow that to happen. Hey guys, I'm Monica Crowley and this is the Monica Crowley podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as we begin another week. This is your go-to for hot liberty, a safe space for all of us thought criminals, independent thinkers, and yes, happy warriors. Don't forget to check me out on social media. On Instagram, I am at Monica Crowley underscore. And on Twitter and True Social, I am at Monica Crowley. Also by email, I can be reached at Monica Crowley podcast at gmail.com. So drop me a note and let me know what's on your mind. All right, guys, we have a really big week this week. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Hunter Biden, the prodigal son, will be before Congress. He's going to testify in front of the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. We're going to be all over that. He may, in fact, not do much at all. When he goes on Capitol Hill tomorrow, he may take the fifth on a bunch of questions, and I'm sure it's going to be leaked almost in real time. So we're going to be all over that. Hunter Biden to the Hill tomorrow. On Thursday, both Presidents Trump and Biden are going to be at the southern border. Donald Trump was going first. Joe Biden has to play catch up because he has deliberately destroyed the country with three years plus of a wide open border and all of the catastrophe that that brings. We're going to cover a lot of that here today. Uh, but both men are going to be at the border at the same time. Biden got wind that Trump was going, and he set up a very fast trip to the border. The difference is Biden is going to, to Brownsville, Texas, where the flow of illegals coming across has really slowed because Governor Abbott has put up razor wire there and elsewhere. So you're getting like a trickle of illegal aliens coming across the border where Biden is going, unlike where Trump is going, Eagle Pass, where, you know, again, it slowed a bit thanks to the Texas governor, but Eagle Pass has really been a hot point for this illegal alien tsunami. We're still getting 10,000 plus illegals coming into the country per day. Again, thanks to Governor Abbott, a lot of this influx has moved away from Texas to Arizona and California, but Texas is still seeing a good deal. And Donald Trump is going to go to Eagle Pass, which has really borne the brunt of this over the last several years. So that's coming up on Thursday. We're going to keep a close eye on that. And then, of course, Friday, we could be facing a government shutdown. Here we go again. Um, You know, Republicans thank goodness, have been holding firm on this, that, you know, we'd rather see a government shutdown if you're not going to close the border. If you're not going to deal with the border situation, then shut the whole thing down. 
We have no country now as it is, thanks to the last three years. So Friday, another day of drama on Capitol Hill. Uh, The good news is today we've got a member of Congress, Victoria Sparks. She's going to be back on this program to tell us where we are on this shutdown. And we're going to cover a lot more because she sits on judiciary. So she's going to stare down Hunter Biden tomorrow. We're going to cover a lot of things with Congresswoman Sparks coming up here on the show. Later in the week, we're going to be joined by filmmaker Robbie Starbuck, who, along with his wife, has created a a very important new film about the targeting of our children. Elon Musk uh, has retweeted the link to it. So Musk is on board as well about the targeting of our kids and how we can protect them. That is coming up here later in the week. So you're going to want to be here for all of it and tell all of your friends. Okay, today, first up, The Monica Memo, a tale of two presidents. President number one, Bill Clinton. Hell is about to freeze over and it's about to get super cold because I'm about to say something that I never thought I would say. Bill Clinton was right. Here he is in 1995 talking about the need for a secure border, strict control over illegal immigration, the need for deportations, and the need for the rule of law to prevail. Listen. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards. Bill Clinton delivered that message in front of Congress as part of his State of the Union address early in 1995, and he got a standing ovation in a bipartisan manner. So both sides of the aisle stood up and wildly applauded Bill Clinton for making those remarks about having strict control over the border and illegal immigration and the need for the rule of law. So yes, Bill Clinton was right. (laughs) Put on a sweater because hell is frozen over. So that is where the core of the Democrat Party was in the mid-1990s. Common sense, border enforcement, deportations, the rule of law. The reason I play it for you today is so that you can see how far the Democrats have fallen down the Marxist globalist rabbit hole. 25 or so years ago, Bill Clinton led a moderate Democrat Party. Now remember, The Democrats have always been a communist party, certainly since the 1930s onward. They've always been communist. But you've had certain presidents like Bill Clinton drag it kicking and screaming to the center. Now, they didn't want to move. You know, the natural midpoint, the natural resting place for the Democrat Party is communist. Very far left, Marxist, radical. That's their natural set point, okay? But Bill Clinton understood that in order to win, you cannot be on the Marxist left. You have to be in the center. At least he did in the 1990s. So he dragged it, kicking and screaming to the center. Maybe he didn't want to do it, but, you know, naturally and temperamentally, Bill Clinton was not a communist. His wife was, but he wasn't. And he also wanted power, but he wasn't. Maybe he is now, 
I don't think he is, but he did it. He dragged the party to the center, which explains his electoral success. Bill Clinton governed as a moderate, even though his wife was with the communists, and she still is. But they wanted power. So they sucked it up and they were moderates, or at least he was. And the party followed his lead, like most parties will follow the lead of the leader, whether it's America first under Donald Trump, whether it was centrism under Bill Clinton, whether it was radicalism under Barack Obama, whether it's full-on Marxist globalism, which is what you see under Biden, although Biden is not actually the president, so nobody is really following his lead. They're following Barack Obama's lead and Michelle Obama's lead. That's what's going on now. But going back to Bill Clinton, as soon as he was gone, though, boom, back to being full-blown Marxists, with Barack and Michelle Obama being the ultimate Marxists, dressed up in a pretty package that allowed them to grab the brass ring and move the party back to the Marxist left. And now the Democrat Party is just open revolutionary Marxism in every direction. Bill Clinton on the border in 1995 versus the absolute deliberate open border catastrophe we have now shows you that the Marxists have joined with the globalists and, by the way, the Islamists and the Chinese Communist Party to destroy America. Bill Clinton was still governing in a way to actually preserve and run the country. We may not have agreed with everything he was doing. I certainly did not. I attacked him morning, noon, and night. But Bill Clinton wasn't deliberately taking the country off the cliff. Maybe slowly. This is rapid acceleration of the destruction of the country. Maybe Bill Clinton was doing it in a slower way, but it wasn't this kind of massive, deliberate, accelerated destruction of the country. Bill Clinton was too busy snapping the thong bikinis of the interns to be worried about taking the country rapidly off the cliff. Now it's a different ballgame. The open border is on purpose to flood the country with illegals whom they want to vote and lock in a permanent Democrat voting majority. And it's also being done to deliberately erase our border and all borders around the West to get to the Great Reset and the one world government that the globalists want to achieve with them running it, of course, All this going down over the past 20, 25 years. Remember, communists move fast. They are revolutionaries. Revolutionaries are always exceedingly impatient. All right, Bill Clinton, president number one. President number two, Donald J. Trump. 20 or so years after Bill Clinton, here comes Donald Trump. When he first announced for president in June of 2015, here is what Donald Trump said about illegal immigration and lax border enforcement. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, They're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Once again, like with everything else, Trump was right about the border and illegal immigration. But he was also calling out the Great Reset agenda, maybe without even knowing it. 
So, of course, in those early days when he first announced, came down the escalator, they jumped all over Trump for that. Remember? That was really the first line of attack that they saw to go after Donald Trump. They jumped all over him, calling him a racist and a bigot, all kinds of things. Remember that? We should have taken that more of a sign, but we didn't know at the time, right? We weren't aware. First of all, we didn't know that Donald Trump was going to gain the kind of traction that he ultimately did. It won the nomination, then the presidency, and he is still standing, and they are still after him. We had no way of knowing that in June of 2015. I knew he was going to win, or at least thought strongly that he was going to win. I was one of the very first. But there was no way of knowing how the deep state and the uni party and the globalists were going to mobilize to try to stop him along with the imperial media doing their dirty work. And that first line of attack when he said, look, they're not sending their best. They're sending killers. They're sending rapists. They're sending drug dealers. He was absolutely right. He was telling the truth and they clobbered him. And now in retrospect, think why? Of course, they wanted to destroy him, but there's something bigger there. They wanted the wide open border. Obama Obama could only do so much in eight years, right? He had to position the Great Reset. He had to kind of get it started. And then they expected Hillary to win in 16, and then she was going to accelerate the Great Reset, including opening the border. Trump wins. It throws it all out of whack. They lose four years. And that's why now, under Biden, they are moving with all deliberate speed to make up for the four years of lost time under Donald Trump. But those comments, think about it now, how they clobbered him. They took a blowtorch to Trump over those comments because they knew they needed to stop him in 2016 because they knew they were getting ready to open the border and flood the country. Think about it now in retrospect, right? I mean, obviously, they had the Russia hoax and so many other things that came down the pike later. But when he made that first comment and made the open border illegal immigration his brand, there's a lot with the Trump brand, but that is a critical piece. They attacked him like nobody's business. And think now why? Because they always intended to open the border, whether it was going to be under Hillary in 16 or under Biden in 2020 and beyond. They always intended because the open border is the critical puzzle piece to this whole thing. Yes, to get everybody uh, that they're letting in voting and a permanent Democrat voting majority, of course, so that you never get a Republican president again, never mind a Republican Congress or governors or whatever. You get a one party state, which is communism but also part of the Great Reset to erase all of the nation's borders. No more national sovereignty. No more national identity. Think about it. All right? That's why they attacked him so strongly back in June of 2015, for goodness sakes. Trump put a stop to the open border and the flood of illegals, and this they could not tolerate. It disrupted, in fact, stopped their Great Reset plan. But just a few years prior, Bill Clinton was for what Donald Trump was talking about, got a standing ovation from both parties in Congress. Bill Clinton was for it until he was against it. He has been mute on this whole issue because the party now is the globalist Marxist Great Reset Party.
Okay, all of this brings us to the horrifying and entirely avoidable tragedy in Georgia over the past couple of days. I want you to know her name. Her name is Lakin Riley. Lakin Riley was an Augusta nursing student who made the dean's list because she was so committed uh, to her craft and to her dream of becoming a nurse. But those dreams were cut brutally short along with her life by an illegal alien named Jose Antonio Ibarra. He bludgeoned her to death while she was out for her morning jog. And we have Biden, Harris, and Mayorkas to blame for her death and countless other American citizens who have lost their lives at the hands of illegal border crossers. And I don't care if it's this guy who was literally bludgeoning her to death or it's the the drug cartels who are allowing fentanyl and other drugs to come in to kill all of us and, and originating with the CCP, with China. But all of this is happening because of the wide open border. And I just want to be really clear because I hear people all the time, including people on our side, talking about how Biden, Harris, and Mayorkas simply refuse to do their jobs. No, guys, guys, they are doing their jobs. Understand that. The open border is the plan. As I just laid out when I compared Bill Clinton in 95 to Donald Trump in 2015, all right, the wide open border and one of the hugest reasons why they need to stop Donald Trump, they need to keep the border open to affect their plan. So when people say Biden and Harris and Mayorkas, they don't have a plan, guys, this is the plan. Oh, they're not doing their jobs. Guys, they're doing their jobs perfectly. Understand that this is the plan and they are all doing their jobs. They have let about 10, maybe 12, maybe 16 illegals into this country. That is a number greater than the population of 36 states. And it's also the official number is 7.2 million. If you go by that, it's also more than half the size of Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Ohio. This criminal illegal alien uh, came from Venezuela. He entered the U.S. illegally in 2022. He came in via the El Paso, Texas uh, sector, and he was paroled and released for further processing. New York. He was previously arrested in New York City. He was charged with acting in a manner to injure a child less than 17 years old and a motor vehicle license violation in 2023, just last year, and he was released before a detainer could be issued. New York City Mayor Eric Adams always likes to point out that New York City is a sanctuary city, and it restricts law enforcement from complying with ICE detainers. This uh, murderer, Barra, had a fake wife named Leiling Franco, also from Venezuela, and they only got married so that they could join their asylum cases. Ibarra has now been charged with malice murder in Georgia, felony murder, aggravated battery, aggravated assault, false imprisonment, kidnapping, hindering a 911 call, and concealing the death of another person. Ibarra has a brother who was also here illegally and was charged with possessing a fraudulent green card, driving without a license, and driving while intoxicated. Guys, keep in mind, just a couple of weeks ago, 51 Democrats 
in the United States Senate voted down a bill for automatic deportation for any illegal immigrant caught with a DUI. Bill Clinton in 1995, Democrat Party today. Uh, This guy, Ibarra's brother, was also arrested for shoplifting, but he skipped court. So yeah, definitely a pair of brothers that you definitely want in your country, right? Lake and Riley was 22 years old. Her body was found at the University of Georgia campus. Uh, Police say that they did not know each other, and it was a crime of opportunity by this illegal alien. Campus security cameras caught the crime on tape. Then you've got the imperial media trying to cover up for the fact that this was a criminal, illegal alien invader who killed this young woman. The Associated Press put out a story. Here is the headline. The killing of a nursing student out for a run highlights the fears of solo female athletes. This is the AP, supposedly a non-biased news organization. Just laughable. They're, they're the, the crown jewel of the imperial media. So I retweeted that uh, piece and I wrote this. This is disgusting, AP. The killing of Lake and Riley had nothing to do with the, quote, fears of solo female athletes. Her murder is the direct result of Biden's wide open border that allowed in her illegal alien killer. Your putrid propagandizing for Biden and murderers is sickening. Elon Musk saw the tweet and liked it. I have it up on my my Twitter and my Instagram as well. Musk liked that tweet. Um, There are other parts of the imperial media that call this illegal alien a, quote, man from Athens, Georgia. You see how they cover for the globalist Marxist agenda and Joe Biden, Harris, and Mayorkas, and ultimately for both Obamas who are running the country now anyway. Get this, guys. The lying liars who, quote, run our country into the ground keep telling us that the border is secure, which is the ultimate gaslighting, okay? It's just so disgusting and blatant and outrageous and in our face Because they don't care. And the reason they don't care is because now they control all of the levers of power. And when you control everything, you do not care about lying directly to the faces of your people. Tyrants have done this since time immemorial, right? Here are just some of the lying liars who have lied to you about the border being secure. Listen. It is my testimony that the border is secure. The president has worked very, very hard to implement a strategy when it comes to the border that is humane, safe, and, and has orderly enforcement. Things are going at the border, sir. Much better, than, much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> we have a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. We have responded 
with a model approach that has proven to work. We have taken unprecedented action over the past year and a half to secure our border. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. The border is closed. We agree that uh, the border is secure. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders. One of our highest priorities is to ensure that we have a secure border. And that is what we are doing. We are stopping the flow at the border. The border is secure. Just a few days after Lake and Riley's killer illegally came into the country, Kamala was running around saying exactly this, the border is secure. On April 8th, 2022, Jose Antonio Ibarra, Lake and Riley's killer, was encountered by Border Patrol after coming into the country via the southern border. He was soon paroled and released into the country. In the days immediately following his illegal crossing, Biden-Harris and Karine Jean-Pierre all insisted that the border was secure. Kamala told NBC on September 11th, Okay, 2022, quote, we have a secure border. KJP told reporters at a September 15th, 2022 press briefing, quote, we agree that the border is secure. Biden also said on September 15th, 2022, quote, we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. Guys, they lie to your face every single damn day. They lie to you while your fellow Americans are being killed in front of you. Lake and Riley is not the only person to be attacked and killed by an illegal alien. Not even close. Guys, do you remember, and a friend of mine brought this to my attention, I had forgotten about this, in uh, the spring of 2001, so shortly before 9-11, which then changed the whole story and everybody kind of forgot about this, there was a young woman in Washington, D.C. named Chandra Levy who was out for a jog in Rock Creek Park, I think. And she was in her early 20s, just like Lake and Riley. She was out for a a run, and she was murdered by an illegal alien. And then things started to come out about her, that she was carrying on an affair with a sitting member of Congress named Gary Condit. Do you remember all of that? But all of that sort of came out to muddy the fact that she was murdered by an illegal alien from Guatemala, I believe her body was found a year later in Rock Creek Park. There are so many countless stories like this. So many families have been shattered because their children um, or their family members have been killed in cold blood by people who should not be in this country. So many things fry my ass lately, but I have to tell you this wide open border, I cannot even watch the pictures anymore. It upsets me so much. And when our fellow citizens are being killed by people who should not even be in the country, it is infuriating. And this has been going on for decades now because the left and honestly, some on the Republican side because they want the cheap labor and their chamber of commerce types and a wide open border or at least, you know, a semi open border is good for business, keeps prices down, people coming in the country to work. People are coming in the country to kill us, and a lot of them are working hand-in-glove with the cartels and the CCP to bring in fentanyl, which is killing 100,000 of our fellow Americans a year. Fentanyl alone, never mind the other drugs coming across. This has been going on way too long, and it's accelerating now because Biden has a wide-open border. 
but you just think back to the Chandra Levy case in 2001, but even further back than that, going back to the 1980s and beyond, illegal immigrants killing Americans. And we're supposed to sit back and take it? Listen to this. Haitian national Pierre Lucard Emile was arrested in January just last month on charges that he raped a developmentally disabled person in Boston. Emile entered the country through Brownsville, Texas in December of 22 and was simply released into the country with a notice to appear despite being deemed inadmissible. Even after he was arrested for the rape last September, he was freed for a time. The Biden administration, the court system let him go because local authorities in the sanctuary city ignored an ICE retainer. Eventually, federal agents captured him, not, but not before he committed this crime of a developmentally disabled person. Okay, How about this? An illegal immigrant named Jose Santiago Chárez was arrested last December in Dallas on charges he fatally shot two sisters in their home and wounding his own daughter. You like that guy? I got another guy for you. Jose Guadalupe Menavir Alas from El Salvador was charged with drunk driving when he struck a vehicle in Broomfield, Colorado, killing the mother who was driving and her 16-year-old son. The illegal immigrant reportedly had been deported from this country four times between 2009 and 2014, but managed to come again, and why not? Biden's got a wide-open border. Come on in. You like that guy? How about this guy? Honduran national Carlos Corrales Ramirez was charged with stabbing to death a man in Troy, New York. When he was arrested, federal officials say they discovered that he was also wanted in Laurel, Maryland for another stabbing. I could go on, but I just want to give you these highlights of these gems who have been allowed into the country thanks to Biden's wide-open border. These heinous crimes are creating a real political shift, guys. If there's any silver lining to all of these uh, outrageous, disgusting murders and, and, and wide-open border, it is creating a political realignment. The border and illegal immigration, this whole invasion, are now the number one issue for all voters of all stripes, And it also, as I started this monologue by talking about Trump's signature issue, the border, wide open border, illegal immigrants, how it was the very first thing that he said, and then the very first thing they attacked. There is a reason for that. So all of this is coming together, and now it's no surprise that a majority of Americans now favor the construction of, yes, a border wall for the first time ever. Listen to this. A majority of Americans threw their support behind construction of a southern border wall for the first time ever since Monmouth University started asking the question when Trump raised it back in 2015. According to this brand new survey, 53% say they now favor finishing construction of a border wall amid this massive invasion. 46% said that they are opposed. I don't know who that 46% are uh, Marxist in this country. Listen to this. Over 60% also identified illegal immigration as a, quote, very serious problem for the United States. Another 23% call it a somewhat serious problem. 
Uh, 10% called it not so serious. I don't know who those people are. But when you add this together, you've got 83% of the American people thinking that illegal immigration and the open border are at least somewhat of a serious problem. Monmouth University, who did the poll, noted that concern about illegal immigration has gone up across partisan lines. That's the key, guys. After comparing the latest data to similar surveys taken during the presidencies of Barack Obama and Donald Trump. Okay? On the construction of a border wall, favorability for the wall spiked in September 2015, again, when Trump started talking about it, at 45% and fell to a low of 35 by the same time in 2017 when Trump was trying to do it, but he had opposition in Congress. Catastrophes... And tragedies and horrors have a way of focusing the mind, guys. And here we are. Most of the American people's minds are now focused. Focused on building a border wall, shutting the damn border, and getting a handle on illegal immigration, including there is massive, widespread, bipartisan support across the country for mass deportations, which will also begin on day one when Trump is in January 20th of next year. He's going to shut the border. He is going to shut the border and he is going to begin mass deportations. He has already said that day one, day one. And he's got huge support across party lines among regular Americans. That's why Speaker Johnson and the Republicans coming up here on Friday with all of these spending things coming before them, we're going to talk to Victoria Sparts here in a second about this, but the Republicans have to stand firm. The American people are with them. Shut the border or shut the government. There's your choice. All right, Congresswoman Sparts joining us here momentarily, so sit tight. Okay, guys, listen up. A lot going on, all stirring the uncertainty pot. Elections in Taiwan, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, our own election coming up. There's a lot of global instability swirling around. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you do that. As opposed to many other investments, gold thrives in times of uncertainty, and it's an important part of diversifying your savings. Here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of your portfolio. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. Just text Monica to 989-898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, Birch Gold Group is your trusted go-to for diversifying with gold. Arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Just text Monica to 989-898 and claim your free info kit and protect your savings with gold today. 
Well, I am so delighted to welcome back to the show Congresswoman Victoria Sparts. She is a Republican of Indiana. She's also the first Ukrainian-American member of Congress. She is also a member of the House Judiciary Committee, where a lot of activity has been taking place on the Biden family corruption and impeachment matters. And she joins us now. Congresswoman, it is great to have you back. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course, Victoria, it's always wonderful to have you here. So we've got a lot to cover with you today because you and your committees are at the center of so much. Let's begin uh, with the depositions that you are running in the House Judiciary Committee. You have uh, heard from a whole array of people, including Hunter Biden's business partners, Devin Archer, Tony Bobulinski, also Joe uh, Biden's brother, James. And tomorrow you will hear from Hunter Biden himself. First of all, what are you learning about the extent of the Biden family corruption? Uh, Monica, it's really unbelievable for me. Listen, I'm not naive. I grew up in a very corrupt country. I grew up under socialism and communists. It breaks my heart what is really happening in our government and what's happening with, you know, Hillary Clinton, with what, with, you know, and how FBI dropped the ball in investigations. And now we have a son of Vice President of the United States dealing with a lot of corrupt oligarchs and shady countries around the world and using political capital and his father to benefit his family. This is unbelievable that is happening in the United States of America. And we do a lot of, you know, they have a lot of, you know, deposition we've done and a lot of, you know, different stories with attorneys they tell them. But obviously, you can see there is nothing else that Hunter Biden would be selling except his family, a political power. And I, you can see on the action of Vice President Biden, it's unbelievable. And now we have a serious, it's a serious issue that we potentially have President of the United States compromised by foreign countries. He dealt with Russian oligarchs, with some Ukrainian oligarchs, Chinese oligarchs, many oligarchs. This is very serious accusations. And, you know, I'm glad that Hunter is willing to come tomorrow. So we'll see what he has to say. We had to fight for him to come there and had to go threaten with, you know, subpoena and everything else. But truly, it's unbelievable. And American people are hopefully seen through it. You know, it, uh, what the American people need to understand is how Congress works in an investigation or an impeachment inquiry like this, is that the depositions are behind closed doors, and usually there's a release of a transcript after a couple of days, as we saw with Bob Linsky and Rob Walker and so many other Hunter associates, but you do it behind closed doors to get the witness on the record, and then that's almost always followed by public testimony at some point, so this is where where we are in the process, and I believe Hunter Biden is probably the last key witness that you are going to hear from. Then you go into the next phase of public testimony where they have to go before the country and the cameras. What do you expect, Victoria, to hear from uh, Hunter tomorrow? Do you think, obviously, now you've amassed all kinds of evidence from all of these previous witnesses, do you expect him to forthrightly answer your questions, or do you expect him? perhaps to take the Fifth Amendment to avoid self-incrimination? It's a bit hard to say he might do it, but I think 
he might actually go against with his stories that, you know, I had my personal problems and I did bad things. My father had nothing to do with that. But let's be very clear. You know, we definitely all have different family members and we cannot be responsible for our family members. But Vice President Biden, being vice president of the country, closely communicates with Hunter, brought him on his trip. You know, he empowered him, brought him to the White House. You know, he flew in Air Force too and had a lot of communication with him. Didn't he have a concern? that it empowers him to continue selling that political capital when he goes and tries to threaten the prosecutor being fired that actually do an investigation of the corrupt oligarchs that Hunter is working for? That doesn't look strange. I mean, this is if he's really was saying, well, this is just my son, I have nothing to do with that. You know, why did he that get involved so closely with his son? Why is his son was so closely to him. I think people will be able to through that. So hopefully he will have good explanations tomorrow. But I expect there will be the same story. They're very trained by very, very good attorneys. I have to tell you, the other side has a lot of very slick and smart attorneys. They're trained what to say, what not to say. And generally, as part of this deposition, they're not saying the truth, but you know, they, they avoid the questions and try to use, oh, that was attorney-client privilege, it was this, and this I cannot say. This is So they just pretty much have made up stories. So I don't expect him, you know, to say anything new, but the facts are the facts. And I think we have a lot of people, you know, around, you know, that we had through the positions and whistleblowers that actually were talking about the facts and how FBI slow-walked investigation. They were very quick, you know, to investigate and make, you know, do Russian collusions on lies, you know, against President Trump when he ran for office, but slow work, you know, the, the investigation for Hillary Clinton and did the same for Hunter and uh, President Biden. And I think that is, a, you know, double standard and really that we have in our justice system, which is really sad to see in our country. We're supposed to be about the quality of rights it doesn't matter you're from, you know, you know, it doesn't, you will never have equality opportunities. You, you will never want to have equality of outcomes. It's equality of rights. It doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're a woman, a man, and rich, and where you come from, you are protected under the law, but we have a two-tier justice system now. If you're rich and connected to the government, you can't get away with anything. And if you are poor and don't have good attorneys, they can put you in jail forever for nothing. That's what they do in pretty much a lot of January 6th people that some of them just came here because they're upset. Yes, and, and I, I know that you feel very strongly about this. Having come from the Eastern Bloc and lived under tyranny, I know you feel very strongly about what's going on here. It's completely outrageous. Um, before we turn to other matters here, Victoria, do you expect this to go to a full impeachment vote at some point later this spring? Well, I think we'll have to look at all investigation. I think we've done several committees and make a decision. And I hope we'll make a decision soon. I think there is a plenty of evidence. You know, I think there are a variety of committees when doing investigations. Some are done ways and means, some an oversight, some judiciary. So we need to put all of the pieces of the puzzle together and then have a serious conversation because Republicans are actually taking this issue seriously. We're setting up a precedent where we're overruled the will of the people, I think that needs to be taken serious, not what they did to President Trump. It was unbelievable what 
what Democrats, how, you know, what they're doing and how they're not taking our constitution and fundamental seriously. So we're going to do very different, but the evidence and a lot of these allegations are pretty, pretty serious. So I think, but I think we need to move it sooner or later. Otherwise, the election times will start and no one will be taking a, looking at this issue as serious as should be taken a look, that, taking a right. look at. That's right. I know. And and the closer we get to the election, the more fear uh, people are going to have about actually doing the impeachment vote. But I'll, I'll tell you right now, hearing from this audience, talking to people around the country, if the Republicans do not move forward with a full impeachment vote, there's going to be hell to pay uh, because the, the base absolutely wants this, given the level of corruption uh, on the part of Joe Biden and his family. Um, okay, Victoria, let's um, let me ask you about Pfizer reauthorization because you did grow up under tyranny. You know what it is, and you have been really leading the fight against the reauthorization of FISA, which everybody should know, this is the warrantless spying, this is domestic surveillance of American citizens, not just Donald Trump, they weaponized it against him, but American citizens, and it is rife with abuse against anybody engaged in wrong think, meaning you and me and this entire audience. You are leading the charge against reauthorizing FISA. Can you tell us where we are right now in this whole process and what you expect to come out of it? This is unbelievable. So the law, so people understand, was created to allow warrantless surveillance of foreign citizens on foreign soils after September 11th. And this loophole was used by FBI to have millions of fraudulent, fraudulently done queries against U.S. citizens on U.S. soil. So this is crazy. I mean, it's not just like random mistakes. You know, these queries were run on millions of Americans. So we need to put a stop to that. So unfortunately, right now, you know, we have a big fight where actually this is unusual that sometimes people, a real true conservative on the right, can actually align with some liberals that still have some beliefs in our constitution, at least on a narrow basis. And we actually have now a big fight against the whole BCC establishment and big you know, deep state that want to make sure that they use all of the tools and create databases. This is like a KGB-style technique, matching information, collecting data. And right now, we said, if you do anything with U.S. citizens, you know, you, you have to obtain warrant. That's a constitutional right. You cannot just be running this query without the warrant. The big even problem here, and it's still not addressing, who is auditing what is collected at all? Like this databases was what NSA is collecting. No one ever checked. You know, do they follow the procedures? You know, that they also, like when they go to upstream collection, they collect all of the data, then they filter through the data to retain only data of foreign citizens on foreign soils. But no one checked. And they say that they could inadvertently, you know, have the data of American citizens. And they say there could be a lot of a data, but no one ever checked how much of it. And on top of it, we don't have a warrant to do this query. So this is a serious violation of constitutional rights. So a lot of conservatives like me were fighting on the Rules Committee. They, like a few weeks ago, they couldn't get it through the Rules Committee. So they decided to pull the bill out because we said, okay, if some of these Republicans and Democrats don't want that, they want warrantless surveillance, they need to go on the record on the floor and be responsible to their voters. They need to vote on it. So we tried to force that vote, and I think they got nervous. So I think at least the least we can do, in, at least 
people will know what their representatives believe. Do they protect their constitutional rights, which is really we only the only reason we set up. The government has to protect people's rights to life, liberty, and property. Or they are not actually going to cater to deep state and our big you know, Department of Justice and FBI that became tyrannical against the American people. So suppose it should come back in a few weeks, so we'll see. But I hope people will put pressure on their representatives. You know, and excluding Republicans, there are a lot of Republicans that are willing to go with FBI and DOJ. So they will have to put their money where mouth is and take a vote on the floor. Yes, and I know it's not easy to be one of the lonely voices out there, Victoria, but you certainly are, and we so appreciate your fight on this. Most of the American people are not focused on this kind of issue, but it really is uh, the direct threat to our Constitution and our rights, to privacy, to our personal security. You've got a government now that used 9-11, leveraged that terrorist attack to have the government have this kind of wide latitude for domestic surveillance. And as we now know, they have leveraged it and weaponized it against not just Donald Trump, but any of us who happen to to think the wrong way, according to the deep state. So it has to be stopped, and we appreciate your efforts on this. Um, Let me talk to you just uh, finally, before we let you go, Victoria, about your own race. You're out of Indiana. Indiana is generally a very conservative state, but you're running for re-election, and you've got apparently a globalist rhino establishment opponent in the primary. Is that right? Well, listen, I, I actually, you know, I, I first, you know, and I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I first was going to take time off from Washington DC, you know, and I, I said, like, I need to get my sanity back. I need to regroup and spend time with the family because it's crazy place. And I don't enjoy being there. I'll be honest with you. But then I spent some time in the district, talked to a lot of people and understanding what a challenging times. I cannot abandon the Republic and a lot of good people that believe that we, you know, we need to get our country back on track. We need to restore our freedoms and we need to fight this fight. So I decided to do that, you know, kind of like last second, I decided to run again. But my establishment now set up a lot of people there and, you know, and have some people that, you know, we unfortunately we have too many people in our party that benefit their agenda, their businesses, not fight for conservative values and they've you know they're afraid of people like me because you know we are independent thinkers i've never been a puppet to my own party never will be i'll represent the people and that is a danger you know to dc establishment people like me so they're going to be spending a lot of money telling crazy things but you know hopefully people will see through that because we have to this is we only can win this battle done on the ground from good people standing up and saying enough enough is enough. And if we don't have Americans now waking up and seeing what is happening right now, our republic will be destroyed. And we are on the brink of having serious major problems. All of the systems, you know, our borders are open. Our debt is our control. Inflation. We have wars everywhere. Our education system is broken. Criminal justice system is broken. And we don't have too many good people wanting to be in politics. So I want to win just not just for me and for the people, but also can kind of show to the people and have more people involved that we can have normal people that care being in politics because we need to have more because we have one party that really became totally socialist, communist now and corrupt. 
And then we have big part, part of my party establishment that became too corrupt to and forgot who they should serve. So it's going to be a big battle, but all battles make us tougher and we'll have to win the war. Yes, indeed. Now, where can people uh, go to find you, Victoria, if they want to support you, find out more about you, donate to your campaign? Well, it's sparksforcongress.com and, you know, and I have my also official page, but in any way you can help. And really, I want to have more people be involved because I truly believe with the greatest republic, they've existed in the history of the world. And I think we also cannot let it fail, but we need to understand each of us has enormous amount of power. Never underestimate what you can do as an American. And if we lose that belief that we can do something as individual Americans, then we are going to lose the, the basis of our what our republic is founded on, on equality of rights and on the equality of each person to be able to make a difference. We are not a tribe. We are not like a collective group of people. We are not going to be oppressed by tyrannical government. We're strong Americans. And we have to teach that strength and really step up. And sometimes comes, you know, the times comes in our history where I, I, I would like to enjoy too more, <laughs> spending time with my children and enjoying a life. But time comes, you know, when we in the Republic is in crisis and all of us have to sit up and say enough is enough. So I hope more people will get involved because that's the only way we're going to fix it. But I truly believe we will because what I hear on the ground, I'm the only politician in my state that does in-person town halls. No, in my district. And I can see the people as frustrated as I am. So I truly believe in the power of the people. Well, your country needs you. And we want to thank you for stepping up. And, and uh, I know you wanted to reclaim your life, as you said, but uh, America does need you. And we are at a, at a real inflection point, a real crisis point. So we thank you for taking this on, on behalf of all of us and on behalf of America. Victoria Sparts, Congresswoman from Indiana, Republican, of course. If you want to check her out and support her, it's Sparts, S-P-A-R-T-Z, Sparts for congress.com and you can check her out on social media as well victoria thank you so much as always thank you so much it's my pleasure and i want to thank you very much okay guys that's going to do it for me today thank you so much for joining me and for checking out our phenomenal sponsors we're all really grateful for that um okay have a good start to your week like i said very busy week tomorrow hunter biden on capitol hill uh you just heard victoria sparts break that down it's going to be very interesting. We're going to be all over that. Thursday, Trump and Biden both at the southern border. We're going to deal with that on Thursday. And of course, Friday, we're looking at possibly a government shutdown. Uh, we're going to be keeping a close eye on that. So join me here later in the week. Also, Robbie Starbuck is going to join us with his new film about the targeting of our children. Not to be missed. All right, guys, have a great start to your week, and I will see you next time. This episode of the Monica Crowley podcast was produced by Bayhockle Entertainment, LLC.